Welcome to Stories of Growth, a series of conversations with modern-day business leaders who share their stories of growth and the lessons they've learned along the way. I'm William Rowe, founder and CEO of Protein. I've been helping businesses grow for over 20 years, and I've always been fascinated with the people behind these businesses, where they've come from, and what drives them forward. What does a new good business mean? I still think it can mean that you're making money so that you can employ people. That the people who are employed should feel that they're part of something rather than just wanting to get home at five o'clock because they know that they're only doing this to earn a living and they know that the people they're working for are, are creaming it off. Wayne Hemingway is a bit of a legend. Founder of the infamous Red or Dead fashion label in the 90s, he now heads up Hemingway Design with his wife, Geraldine, who are both on a mission to improve the things that matter in life. The recently launched Good Business Festival is true testament to that commitment. Thanks to being in lockdown with my kids, I actually recorded this one in my car to get out of the house. See if you can tell the difference. Very excited to have you on the show. Uh, very keen to hear your story of growth. Um, and why don't we start with a little introduction for those who might not have heard of you. Um, I'm assuming there won't be that many, <laughs> but there might be a few. Um, just in terms of what you might be known for. Um, well, I'm, I'm getting reasonably old now, so I'm 59 years old, so I've, and I've, and I've done a quite mind, a lot. But I, age is a mindset, Wayne. It's a mindset. Yeah. Well, I suppose what I first became, I've had kind of a number of lives. What I first became known for was, um, well, well known for, was my wife, me and my, my wife set up a company called Red or Dead, which was, um, when we had it, we started, set it up at the beginning of the 80s, you know, literally at the turn of the 80s, and, and then sold it in 1998, and on the way, it probably became one of the uh, street fashion labels in the world. We had 23 shops around the world from Tokyo to Toronto to, to you know, just all over. We even had one in Reykjavik for, for a while. And, um, and we, were, we had 380 staff and um, very, you know, multi, big, a big, I think, we're 20, I think we had 20 million or 25 million turnover at its, at, at its peak. And we won, you know, designer of the year for three years on a row. At, um, from the British Fashion Council, and and it was a purpose-led. Um, before we used those, we didn't use those kind of phrases back then. But it was an issue. It was an issues-based uh, street fashion company that that um, you know worked with Greenpeace, worked with all sorts of you know our our our, our workwear range was made in in a, in a prison uh, for, for, for for political reasons. We were very political, and then we sold it in. Uh, in 1998 for you know enough to set us up in life um and um and and then kind of fell in like like we'd fallen into red or dead we we fell into becoming pretty well-known housing designers with a mass affordable housing very large-scale developments seven to eight hundred homes at a time uh, again with a very fresh uh, societal benefit approach, sustainable approach to them, and 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 then built Hemingway Design into a, a multidisciplinary design agency. Um, we've always been based in London, but I'm I'm a Northerner, and a lot of our work has has always been based around the north, and and in mainly working in deprived areas to an extent, and and that 
And I suppose now we've become acclaimed urban designers working a lot in coastal in coastal towns that have had better days in uh, post manufacturing towns that have that have had better days and and we we work across urban design housing placemaking we've got quite a big we put on britain's some of britain's largest free events including the national festival of making national festival of thrift vintage by the sea first light classic car boot sale a whole list all around the uk and and now our biggest the our biggest event is a very different kind of event called the good business festival um uh, and we we have brand graphic design um just basically every, every aspect of design apart from we don't really do much web design but apart from that um that's what we do yeah that's yeah it, it it's a impressive track record i think to say the least um but i'm curious i guess on on two points one you know that thread of purpose which is i think a constant through everything that you touch and every project that you you start uh just curious to sort of understand really you know wh- where that where that came from because it was you know it it was ever present in red or dead back in the day and and it, and it feels it's it's still there and that hunger and that passion uh you know that activism um yeah, it's it's still a driving force, and I'm just just well, curious to understand a little bit where that, what was the origin of that? Well, the origin is is quite often, you know, it's it's nurture, isn't it? I mean, and and you know, like a lot of things in life, you you become good at something because you've got a passion for it, and and often that passion comes from comes from a very early age. And I, there's a number of things. Well, first of all, meeting my wife was important. We both came from. Um, you know, proper working class backgrounds in in, in northeast Lancashire. Um, Geraldine's from a, a, a family of five girls. Grew up in a two up two down workers' cottage. So work that one out. You know, four four of the girls sharing one bedroom, and the eldest the eldest getting a bedroom of their own. But that you know that was it. The, the four had to share. Um, the um, you know mum, mum and dad both both what Americans I suppose would call blue collar you know blue collar workers. Um, I I was brought up by my mum, my nan, and my pop. My my father left when I when I was three. And there's an interesting side to that as well, I suppose. My grandfather was worked at Grimthorpe Colliery in Yorkshire and moved and moved to the coast because my nan had you know bad asthma and my nan had a job. My nan's job was cleaning steps and scrubbing scrubbing steps. My mum always had three jobs on the go at one time, and and so it was that kind of work ethic, but also you know working class roots and and the idea that that where we came from was you know in lancashire terms salt of the earth uh and and you you know you don't betray you don't betray it was always clear that it was, would have been the wrong thing to betray our roots and, and and we never would anyway and and so it was always equality was was always important to us there's always been a running again from being brought up about entitlement and not you know not liking entitlement and kicking against that but positively not you know we never you know, my, my family were never nihilistic. Geraldine's family are definitely not nihilistic, and and we've been, you know, we've been, we've never been nihilistic. It was a case of roll your sleeves up, put a bit of elbow grease on, get stuck in, uh, and try and make sure that you help others along along the way. You know, you don't, you you don't, you don't never look down on anybody. And they were just, they're just values that were nothing to do with business, just to do with being a decent, you know, being brought up to be decent human beings. And then there was also the underdog thing as well, and. You know, I've thought about this more and more recently. That, you know, I, 
and this, then this is where it might, might not be nurturing, it might be nature. But, you know, I'm half um, what's called First Nation, so um, in, in old money, Native American Indian, which, you know, you're not supposed to say anymore, but if I don't say it, nobody understands what First Nation, what First Nation is. And my um, father was heavyweight wrestling champion of the world, it sounds crazy, called, called Billy Two Rivers, and he, he, he left when I was three. And, but I grew up, you know, knowing knowing my background, and always in everything, you know, what obviously when I was young, the biggest mo- the movies that you saw were the majority of the ones that you wanted to see were based around cowboys and Indians, and usually ended up with the well, always ended up with the Indians getting beaten, and me being always wanting wanting the result to be different in my head, and um, and 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 to this day, I tend to you know that I, I tend to always support the underdog you know I've always been a lifelong Blackman Rovers supporter although we did win the premiership as underdogs though in uh, in 1994 um and um and, you know and I will always you know always kind of fight for the underdog and uh, fa- uh, fascinating, to, fascinating hear. to hear um um I'm getting a delay are you hearing that delay no I can hear you fine okay that's great um but just moving on from you know how that underdog uh, you know mindset or you know upbringing or set of values yeah you know, how does that how did that translate into like a purpose you know into you know channeling ch- channeling that energy into something you know with a with an outcome like w- was there a moment when you realized that actually yes this is my heritage this is my upbringing you know this is my my position but actually I want to do something about it. And like, was there, was there a moment that that happened? You say, right, this is it. No, I think, I think because we were so young, Jodin and I, you know, we, we were, well, what age did you home. meet? We met when we were, so it will have been together 40 years next, next August. So yeah, so we 39, 39 years we've, 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 since we met. So it's a long time. You know, it's amazing. And that means we were, we were young, you know, and, and we've been together all, all this time. And, and, and when, we, when you start a business when you're that young and you've never planned to start a business, because I was, I was playing in a band and we started the business because we ran out, ran out of money and literally couldn't pay the rent on our rented flat in London. And so when wait, you started, wait, wait, what age were you then? That'll have been 21. And yeah. that's that's when you moved to no, London. No, maybe less. No, younger than no. That, it was soon. It wasn't long after we met. So twenty or twenty-one, anyway. And that's when you moved. And, and that's when you moved to London. So I moved. No, I moved to London at eighteen. Um, and and we must. Yeah, we we might have been together forty years. She'll kill me. I always. <laughs> but I, but it's, it's 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 that long anyway. It's thirty-nine Wait, or forty. Years. You know this is yeah. being recorded, yeah. yeah? <laughs> Yeah, it's fine. I'll, I'll, I always get it wrong, so she's used to it. But when you've been together that long, if you get within a year, that I think that's that's, that's reasonable. That's good enough. Okay, good. Yeah, a year or two is really, and I never forget our anniversary, so that's all right. There we go. So I think when you start as young as we did in terms of start a business, and and you and you make that business with a load of friends who also would, would, went clubbing with you, and you never and and all it was was a an extension of our nightclubbing and, and the bands that we were in and all of that kind of stuff. And it was never designed to be a, a business that would employ all those hundreds of people with, and, and be a world brand. And, and when those things just start happening, you've never really got time 
to think about what you're doing or why you're doing because it, it happened it started to, to to be like a snowball just rolling and rolling and rolling and, and and we never really thought why we were doing it other than it was fun it was it was and, and also we were the first ones in our family who'd ever num, number one who'd left home to go that far away number two who'd ever bought a car and then we bought a house very young and and, and certainly the only ones who'd ever who'd ever had a business and you know none of the none of our families ever had, had any business history whatsoever so you're kind of you're making it up as you go along you're having you're having fun you've no fear because you know you don't have fear when you've got nothing to lose we never borrowed any money we never did a business plan we never did a spreadsheet we never met a bank manager i think we met a bank manager once maybe you know we got to know one bank manager but it was all just this like right place right time obviously because We'd been out, both of us had been out nightclubbing since we were 13 years old. So we, fashion was, Joni had learnt to make her own clothes. Fashion was just part of what we did. Uh, and, and and we arrived in London at exactly the right time. It, London was hollowed out. There was six and a half million people living there. It had gone down from nine million. It's back up to nine now. It was, a, when you get that, it's a time of opportunity. The shops were... You could you could rent shops for next to nothing. You could buy your property. Our, our first house, three bedroom Victorian house for twenty two thousand and a and a ninety percent grant from the GLA to to get young people to live in London again. Mm. So it it was a combination of the right time, um, we the right you know our, the right experience. Um, and what, and, 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 sorry, sorry, Wayne. What year are we in now in terms of that that era? Yeah, but at 82, 83, when it, when it all started to kick off and, and start to expand big, big time. And, and, then, and then, you know, when you think about, you know, all our staff were, when they're all just normal people who, you, who you've known because you dance with them or you, play, or, you, or you play guitar with them or something, you start to, it's not a philosophy, it's just a way of life starts. And, and that went... That meant by, by 1989 or 88, when we started doing catwalk shows as part of London Fashion Week, Red or Dead, you know, that's when we really burst onto the international uh, scene. We, we'd already then made a decision. Well, not made a decision, but we never, we all, because we're from a thrifty background, we said, right, well, we're not going to pay for models. We're just going to use the people who we, who we, the good looking people from the clubs who dress the best, who carry themselves, who've got that natural confidence. So we did that, and then and then it became right. Well, we we never need to use models, and I, and quite famously, and it, you know we've got all the documentation for this, and at the time the the letters and the faxes that were sent, we were offered Kate Moss uh, as she was just start to, to model for Red or Dead because we were the hottest ticket in town, and we turned her down because we said, you know, she's a model, you know, and, and just, just you know that that now sounds really purposeful, uh, and and the fact that we we used and we paid people who we met in pubs and we met in bars and all of that kind of thing. But it wasn't, it just was us. And, and then when we, and, and then when we remember like when we were making, we used to design all the t-shirts for Greenpeace. And we, we did, we did one collection for Red or Dead where the Greenpeace were doing, uh, sorry, uh, the French were doing nuclear testing on an atoll in the, in the South Pacific and Greenpeace were, were wrapping, remember they wrapped Nelson's column and they wrapped the French embassy with non and NON on the front. And we we put one of those banners as our catwalk show. We were reigning designers of the year, so we knew we had to be covered on news at 10 and all of that. We, we put our, our backdrop as that. 
And not only that, as we banned all French buyers, we were willing to, we lost 25% of our turnover. Um, well, we're 25% of our stockists were French at that time. And we said, we're going to make a stand here. You know, we're not having it. We're not, we're not, our clothes aren't going to France this year. And we made those kind of decisions, but also we knew and we had a hunch that that would get us more publicity, and which it did. Um, and and us and, and we built we built even more of a following from people who believed in us for doing that. So yes, we believed in it, but we also knew that that that, that it was if we got ourselves across and our and our values across, we would do better as a business. And we learned that by the early nineties. You know, thirty years ago, nearly now, we we'd learned that. So when we did our when we did a collection. And our first workwear collection, and we when we dis, we had it made in full Sutton Prison in York, we knew what we were doing. We knew it would get conjecture, but we all and there, and there was a big argument going on in America at the time about whether prisoners should be allowed to make things or whether they should just be incarcerated. And and you know the argument from the from the you know from the more liberal was that if you teach somebody if you give them a new skill, they're less likely to reoffend. The less liberal saying no, they've done something wrong. You look, you lock them up and you throw away the key. So we came down on the more liberal side. We we said right, no, we're going to go to a tough prison uh, and and get our denim made. And as, but as also we then knew that we had stories to tell because you know workwear comes from prison wear, which was you know first made to break rocks in America. So we knew the marketing to go with it, but we believed in it at the same time, and we got absolutely hammered in the tabloid press for that to the point where they were camping outside our house in northwest london but but on the on the other side we had um the press that we that we would associate our lives with supporting us and so you lose the people you want to lose anyway you don't care about and you gain you know and so we we we, we learned all of that um and and then you learn that sooner rather than later you learn that actually being values led gives you a raison d'etre and, a, and, a, and many, many reasons for people to follow you and, and support you year in, year out. Yeah. And, you know, fast forward 40 or so years, that purpose-driven, you know, manifesto is more relevant now than it's ever been. And, uh, yeah, and there's great case studies, great businesses out there, <clears throat> you know, that are very much flying that flag and, you know, pushing those conversations and you know, purposes forward. Um, and maybe this is a good dovetail into the Good Business Festival and your uh, your ambitions for it. Um, but maybe let's start with a bit more detail of actually w- what it is. The Good Business Festival is aimed to be a world summit for purposeful societal benefit business. There'd been this um, biannual festival taking place in Liverpool, which was part of the government, British government's levelling up agenda to, to kind of make sure that not everything that was large scale happened in, in London. And, you know, that we, for, for anybody who's listening to this outside the UK, um, Britain has become very focused on London, British cities have become very focused on London since, since I moved down to London. It's, it, it, never felt, it, it never felt like London dominated back then. But London has, you know, over the years has grown and, and, it's, and it's kind of turned parts of the north against, against London. You know, that, that's, that's absolutely clear. And, but also there's a feeling that it's damaging the country as a whole by having an overly dominant capital city. So the government has, has been 
starting to, to talk about levelling up the northern powerhouse is a phrase that's, that's used. And about six years ago, some money was given to Liverpool to create a, an international business festival. And it took place every two, every two years, 14, 16, 18. But um, I, I talked to a couple of them and I found it all, all suits and lanyards and didn't seem rooted in modern business. And it felt a little bit, uh, it felt like it needed a kick up the arse, really, more than a kick up the arse. So just by, just by chance, about a year ago, we, um, our events team spotted an invitation to tender out for people to reinvigorate, for, for a team to come in and reinvigorate the International Business Festival. And we decided to join up with some Culture Liverpool, who are friends of ours, and, and they're the people who won the City of Culture for Liverpool in 2008 and have, have helped Liverpool go from 15th most visited to fifth uh, most visited city in the UK. And that we'd, we'd, we would research you know, look, look, think about what it needed. But we decided we decided that we would put a, a non-compatible bid in, and to say that we wanted to scrap the International Business Festival, and create a completely new festival from scratch with the money that was available, which was a big ask. And we did some research. We'd been doing our our, our brand team had been doing some uh, pretty big um, values and brand work for some FTSE 100 companies, and we we knew that every company worth their salt were on some form of journey to being purposeful or else they were toast, you know, I've got salt and toast in one, in one, uh, in, in, in one. <laughs> That's a first. I must be getting hungry. We are recording this at 5.30. In the so, yeah. Um, so, so we, um, we then, we're at salt on toast. That, that wouldn't be very good, would it? No. No, less um, tasty. Yeah. So, so, so anyway, we, 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 we put this non-compatible bid in. We came up with the brand, the Good Business Festival. We, we, we researched events all around the world, in fact, that were about good, good and purposeful business. And we found them all to be a little bit, a little bit preaching to the converted, a, bit, a little bit uh, hair-shirted with a similar kind of speakers. And we decided, right, we're, we're going to learn from Brexit um, and, and how Britain became polarised because of Brexit and probably one of the most hurtful things that's ever happened to society in Britain. And that we would put on a fest, we would put a bid in to, to put a festival on that would be the the broadest church of good business, so that we would, as well as going out to the the Patagonias of this world, you know, we would also go out to BP, and that was like whoa, you know, that that was like, you know, because we know that people like Shell and BP would have been, you know, would 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 not have been able to allowed to be platformed at all the other. But we said, look, so anyway, we went out with that, and we. With that philosophy, we um, we came up with all the branding and 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 the, put a lot of work into it, and we won the bid, um, and and then we started delivering it uh, last last November, and and the aim is to create something of worlds, you know, literally the world's gathering. We've we've always said that we want we want to be um, the bastard child of of uh, South by Southwest, you know, you know, which is a, a week's long, fe- more than a week now festival in Austin, Texas that. You know, which is for the music industry and the film industry, but it's it's more than just a conference. It's having fun and, and you know everything. It's it's like going to a proper festival for a week, but you also but it's about business. So we said we wanted to take a leaf out of the book of that. We wanted to be as um, 
have the brevity of TEDx, but we're not having any single talks. We're not. There's no single talks. We we think TEDx is a little bit old fashioned in in that in that respect. That you know we think it, think discussion is 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 probably a, a better way. But but have the brevity of TEDx and 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 the quality control that, that TEDx that TEDx do, and, and to have the the legacy that Davos is supposed to have but doesn't have. Um, and so you know by, by put it, by looking at those three things Davos TEDx south south by southwest but also then looking at the boiler room um which, which is you know which because we knew that that making sure that that you could long before um we started this before covid came along when we were always going to be um making sure that we had world reach by being properly digital and and doing things from having our events from tv enabled studios and so we set out and um came up with a very strong brand i think and we, we started to get very quick traction on it and then covid came along and it's like whoa what do we do because we're supposed to be doing a week in october and uh, and and so we made the decision very early in in march uh, right at lockdown that we would split it into two acts act one and act two do one day in october that was focusing on covid's impact on on business and then have the main festival in march act two in march as covid as covid developed it became absolutely clear that the concept of purpose and societal benefit and business and what business needed to do for society was rising up the agenda at an exponential rate and and we we just had no problem attracting brands institutions foundations think tanks politicians world leaders um to the point where we're overwhelmed with with talent and uh, and content and you know we, we've we've luckily we've been turning it away hasn't been a problem because we've got march to look forward to which you know still is a quite a way off but for october it's an amazing lineup we are part digital part physical um we're also prepared to have to go 100% digital if the last few days in britain um uh, and you know when we, who knows what's coming next you know some people think we're going to head for a harder lockdown again um but but we're ready we we're, we're a high we're 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 hybrid we are broadcasting from tv studios with a, a live audience uh, and, and and with some of the participants on stage and some of the participants beam down we come live from uh liverpool london toronto and melbourne so we, 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 when it finishes in the UK, it switches to go first of all to Canada and then on to then on to the next morning in in, in well the next morning for them, but the same evening for us in down in down down under. Um, and yeah, it's, we're trying a lot of new things. Yeah, I think from a time and date in terms of what COVID is affecting, you know, conferences and festivals in general, it's it's certainly true to have had that virtual element and distributed element baked in from the beginning um but i guess the real question in terms of the festival uh, and its name is you know the the outcome because i i i completely agree a lot of the conferences you go to it's i mean you just you're just underwhelmed right and it's like a lot of people talking about the same stuff and there's no real you know, there's no real progress um so do you have like a, a and this isn't about benchmarks and metrics or anything too specific, but yeah, you know, what what would you like the legacy of of the Good Business Festival to be that 
wasn't achieved with the with the international festival that went before it so the format of the format of all the sessions um is very focused on what you've just said so we every this every session begins with this thing called a setup where we have the subject matter that's going to be you know what you know when you watch a box when you watch a box set or something or you you watch something on on telly and and it tells you what's happened before you know you, know, you can even if you've missed just to remind you of, of what the the backstory is in the series so we start with that so the backstory of the subject matter is told in three minutes statistics graphs video and that's called the setup and then and then the moderator and we've got really good moderators so it's christian guru murphy who's the, you know the the the, the um the lead presenter on Channel 4 News. We've got uh, Asma, Asma Mir, Times Radio and BBC uh, news presenter. And then we've got Evan Davis, who basically he does the, 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 the drive time programme on Radio 4 every evening. So we've got hard-hitting moderators. And then they, they introduce, the, they introduce the, uh, the panellists, but they don't introduce them any, anything other than name, rank and serial number. No, no, no such and such is an emeritus professor. You know, none of that. None of that. If you want to find no time's wasted. So if you want to find out about the people, you look online. Simple, simple as that. Then they go into about, around about 18 minutes of discussion. Uh, and then the last 20 percent or 25 percent of the session, uh, a klaxon goes off, the action klaxon. And and that. That sounds, and it's like a football match, like the referee blowing the whistle. Even if you're in mid-sentence, you stop. And, and then you go on to outcomes. And you go on to, you know, you, there'll be, there'll be uh, uh, you can make pledges. And, and, and the people listening can, can, can make pledges. And, and they can talk. That's when a discussion talks. And the discussion can only be about outcomes. What are we all going to do next then? And, and, what, and what do we think we want to achieve by the time we next get together in March, five months later? And, and there will also be then information about movements and pledges that you can join. If, if this is something that, that you really want to try and make a difference in, then we believe this is the channel that you should channel your energy down now, which won't be a good business festival. It, it, it could be somewhere, somebody that's doing something anywhere in the world. We'll, we'll have picked what we think of, you know, what you should, where you should put your energy. Uh, and so, and that's every session. And then we have also sessions called solutions salons, which was, the idea of um, Sir Tim Smith, you know, the guy who set up the Eden Project. And he said, he, he said exactly what you said. He said he's sick of going to conferences and just them being talking shops. He said we need, there are so many, in his words, super wicked problems. If you know him, you'll know that that's the way he speaks. He said there are so many super wicked problems in this world that need solving. Let's get, let's make sure that we've got sessions where we start the discussion of how to solve a super wicked problem and we keep, and we come back to that problem between now and March, and then we report, and everybody has to report where they've got to on it. So there's some accountability with this, and that may be the you know we may have we may have come up with a format here that could really really work, but also it may be a format of splitting of splitting a, a festival over two two parts so that you make pledges in the first part and you see how you've sorted them out. And I think a year difference or a two year difference would be too much. So you know maybe COVID has worked in our favour again here. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think from a, I mean, where do you want to start with that? Just, I mean, accountability is the word, right? And you you look at, uh, you know, the current Black Lives Matter, uh, you know, moment, and it's more than a moment because it's been going on for years, um, but it's broken through in terms of 
its impact and its uh, you know its importance across culture and i think the key part of you know any of these movements or any of these purposes is accountability because you know pledges greenwashing whitewashing whichever washing you want to define it as it's uh, you know it's it's unaccountable um and it's very easy to say but it's a lot harder to do uh and so just listening to you talk it also feels like a platform you know a, a way of holding you know big businesses and I'm keen to hear why, you know, BT, your logic for inviting, uh, you know, traditionally, uh, you know, less good businesses, shall we say, into the forum. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that is to ensure you're holding them accountable. But yeah, it would be good to hear your thoughts about that, that mix of, you know, how you define a good business. Maybe let's start with that. Well, I think, how do you define a good business? Well, we used to, I think it's good to look at how we used to define a good business. You used to define a good business by its bottom line. Um, and, and, and the argument often was that if it made bottom line, it paid taxes and it employed more and more people. Than, but, but often that bottom line w- went to shareholders and made a small amount of people even richer than they are already. And, and that's, you know, that's driven inequality, which has driven unhappiness. You know, only, only have to look at the world's happiest countries, and they're, they're usually the ones that are the, the ones that are the most equal. Um, but, it, but you know, but what does a new what does a new um, good business mean? Well, I still I still think it can mean that you're making money so that you can employ people. Um, but you, but the the people who are employed, you know, should be should feel that they're part of part of something rather than just wanting to get home at five o'clock because they know that they're only doing this um, to earn a living and, and, and they know that the people they're working for are, are creaming it off. So I think, you know, a good business has a workforce that feel good about working, about, about working there and feel that work is purposeful for them because anybody that's lucky enough to, to enjoy their work knows that that's, that helps life be more rounded. I, I can't imagine hating a job. What life must be like getting at nine o'clock and can't and can't, can't wait till um, five o'clock when you know when it's time to go home. I remember days at school with certain you know at certain, at most school most of my time at school I enjoyed, but I remember sometimes where you know you couldn't wait for that bell to go. And, and what a what a thing in life where you're wishing time away. We're on it, you know. My grandfather used to say, "You hear three score and ten, make the most of it." And uh, now we're a bit, we get we get four score up, don't we? Now we get we get a bit lucky. Uh, we get a, so anybody for anybody who's listening doesn't know what a score is. A score is twenty. Um, so we used to get seventy years. My granddad said three score and ten, uh, and now we get four score. And I can't, you know, I, I can't imagine. I would hate to be in a situation in life where you're wishing time away. Because you, you, to me, that's wishing your life away. So if work can be something that you really enjoy because you, you know that you're being purposeful, you know that you're doing something that's, that's helping society, you know, that you, you know that you're working as part of a, you know, a family of, some, of, of people pulling together. And then secondly, if, if, you can, if the work that you do can do something towards helping society, making the world a better place, then great. And... and 
and but and every business can not every business can be as purposeful as as an NGO can be as purposeful as Oxfam or you know a, a great charity or something, you know. But but you know, or be as or be as campaigning as Shelter or something like that. But 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 every business probably can be a Patagonia. Um, you know, can, can think about provenance of where they of where they get their stuff from. Every business you know can work towards being a B Corp. It's not easy. Not every business would be able to get there, but they can take on principles. And I think, I don't think there's anybody out there now who doesn't realise that if you don't, if you're not purposeful in some way, that you're going to get absolutely mullered. Um, mullered. Do you need to explain, explain mullered? <laughs> no, I think they get just purely from your articulation of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That... You know, look at look at Philip Green. You know the, the 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 boss of Arcadia and you know Topshop, and you know you wouldn't describe him as purposeful. And and it was that lack of you know that that overt extravagance of you know the, the parties that he threw through. That at first when he did it was written in the press as you know these toga parties that he would fly everybody out to these Greek islands or whatever and bring Beyonce into plays play live at his 13-year-old son's birthday, all that kind of stuff that we always got in the press years ago, was always fated by most press, not all, and fated by most people as, oh, I wish I had that kind of money. Wish, But now it's seen as, like, excess, gross. There's a new generation that's come through that thinks it's all that, that sick. And as a result of it, you know, Topshop's figures go down, Philip Green gets hounded, by even the, even the press that, 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 that fated him. The world is changing. That, that, you know, it, ne- things don't change. We all like it to change quicker and to become fairer you know, overnight, but that's never going to happen. But the, the world is on a journey at the moment. Yeah, I completely agree. <clears throat> we talk a lot about good growth um, and a balance between purpose, progress, and profit. Uh, and, you know, maybe oversimplifying some of the dynamics of you know, that definition, but I completely agree in terms of the work that we do for, uh, you know, brands, for clients, um, but also us as a business and, and you know, as a, as a leader, as a, as a you know, a, as a responsible, accountable, um, you know, manager. It, it all comes back down to, you know, exactly what you said of have a, creating an environment, creating a culture, creating creating something that, you know, is bigger than yourself, ultimately. Uh, and, you know, if you can make some money on that and, you know, create uh, an environment that your staff can come to work and, you know, uh, there's, there's, there's a noble outcome, then, I mean, happy days. Uh, so, you know, I'm hopeful and I completely agree from a generational uh, viewpoint this is getting louder, and uh, in, in increasingly so. And um, and I and, and I think there's some interesting parallels between. And you talk about work ethic uh, from a from your from your upbringing, but I think there's also a generational work ethic that comes through. That um, you know, is, it feels like it's being mirrored by the Gen Zs, you know, the younger generations that are coming through that are really motivated and you know, talented uh, and, you know, keen to make to make their own mark on what's come before it because, you know, it's a bit of a mess, let's be honest. Well, there's a, you know, there's a, 
a very cheesy song by Billy Ocean called "When the Tough When When the Going Gets Tough, the Tough Gets Going." I'm not going to try and sing it, <laughs> but but the going the going has got very tough for for Gen Zs and the and the younger end of millennials, and certainly for Gen Alphas. This is a, remember they're the first generation to be worse off than their parents, and and I think that's you know that's why you know that that's why they're getting going. You have to you know you have to roll your sleeves up at the moment, and 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 it was the same. It was tough times when me and Geraldine came down to London at the at the end of the seventies, uh, and and um, sometimes, you know, what you know, punk was one of the major things that happened in Britain and changed, gave people a, a gave a lot of young people a sense of hope in in the mid seventies at a time that was very very tough. And I, I think sometimes it needs um, tough times to to get going again. And and I think that you know that's what we're we're going through now. And so. I am always I am always glass half full, but I I, I do think that that um, you know the kind of inequality that's been going on the um, and then COVID now have, have made things tough, but 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 good will come out of it because human beings are resilient and new generations you know can make a difference. Yeah, I fully agree. Good time to finish. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. two two last two questions two for you, Wayne. Questions. Um, do you have, other than maybe some more Billy Ocean lyrics, um, yeah, any tips that you would want to share in terms of, uh, you know, sayings or advice uh, that you uh, that, that you subscribe to? The most thing, people always ask me about, you know, business advice because I've been doing it so long and been, you know, reasonably successful. And the main thing is, is generally to have a passion about what you're doing. I know it sounds a bit cheesy, that, but if you actually believe in what you're doing, you've got more of a chance of, in, uh, of succeeding and, and so that you know that that's that's really important and, th- and then the other thing really is 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 to make sure that you you're not a shrinking violet you know you have to you have to you have to get things out there yeah 100 percent agree and the final question and it sounds like you have uh, an enviable list of people to choose from already for your festival but if there was one person that you would like to hear on this show uh, who might that be? I mean, I've got a lot of people I've got a lot of respect for. Um, I've got a lot of respect for, for Banksy and what, 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 what he does um, in, in terms of, you know, I know he makes loads of money, but it, it, just about everything he does has, has a sense of purpose and a, sen- a sense of messaging. Yeah. So you can probably get him on because he because w- he wouldn't have to give himself away. So let's just stick with that one for All now. Right, that's a great suggestion. Um, yeah, I think I met Steve Lazaridis his ex-manager many many years ago so um let's see how we get through <laughs> see if we can get through to him wayne this has been fantastic thank you very much for uh, taking the time um and wish you all the success uh with the festival and your various other projects uh going forward yeah feel free to feel free to help us with the marketing of it you know get get the word yeah, out for sure um yeah we can follow up that conversation as well great wayne thank you so much all right then yeah. take care see you later bye